0: Amen. Thanks, Pastor John. Well, again, I'm so glad you're here. Kids, you guys could go be dismissed uh, first through sixth grade. Mr. Lou, will meet you right back there. And um, Yeah, again, if we could get some help with our kids' ministries. And it's not just, hey, it's a job, it's a ministry. I mean, you, when you minister to the kids, you're not only teaching them God's Word, but you're helping parents be able to sit in here and listen. Um, and Lord knows some of the parents need it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> Let's get into this. I want to look at your neighbor, if you would, and just say... The message is going to be short today. Tell, just tell them that. message is going to be short. And then just say, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. That's the that's title of my message today is, is I'm good with it. It's part one. Uh, I'm excited to, to speak this. And again, I, I believe it's going to be a little shorter than normal because it was actually, it turned into two messages. And I thought, well, let me just cut this one short. So if you're good with that just say it just tell me i'm good with it Uh, the bible says in ecclesiastes the more the words the less the meaning and what is the purpose of that it's one of my favorite verses to preachers amen (laughs) the more the words the less the meaning and like what's the purpose of that and so i want to be short and concise but at the same time um some of you drove you know at least 20 minutes to get here so i'm going to give you your money's worth but I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Second Timothy chapter 220. We're going to go there. We're going to start there. And it will be up on the screen. And then we'll get into the book of Jeremiah. And um, here's how I want to begin this. is There's way too many people live life wishing they had someone else's life. Okay. When you look at social media, you're really watching someone's edited version of what life is really like. You know, if you're anything like me, you know some couples who they post these pictures online of their vacation and they're great and you're like, they fight all the time and they look happy here. What's the deal? Well, we we put out what we want people to think. Okay, unlike today's news and politics, which completely they, they just report the truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah, uh they give you the slant on what they want. We talked about this Wednesday night of some current journalists who say, basically, we put out there what we want you to know. Not really what's reality, but what we want you to know. I mean, there are quotes. You can see the quotes of today's journalists. And today, what I want you to know is what God's word is, is it's not going to have a slant on it. I don't want my slant. I don't want my opinion. I want what God's word says. Um, And I believe, again, God spoke some things to me that are going to help us today. But, but social media, we give you this false idea of what someone's life is like, and we know that, that reality isn't always what you see. And I will tell you that what's going on in the world right now, what you see really isn't reality. And there's a lot of things that the, the, the news is preaching that really isn't happening, and I'm really thankful that it's like that. I'm thankful that there's not hundreds of thousands of people that have died. I believe that it was God's hand. I really believe that, that God has mercy on us. Um, I'm glad it's like that. But as far as living for yourself, I'm going to tell you this, and I said this Wednesday, that there's a vast emptiness in living for yourself. Vast emptiness. If, if you're the type of person that you just want to live for your happiness and, and what you want in life, you will be a very empty person. Happiness seems to be the thing other people are after today, uh, but it seems very elusive. And the question is why? Because the focus is on us. And Jesus said that if you want to be great, learn to serve yourself it says. if you had your Bibles, you would know, I just lied to you. That's why you need to bring your Bibles to church. Jesus said, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant of all of people to serve people. And that's what he did. And there's an immense satisfaction in making a difference in someone else's life. So I want to start off with a statement here that you will not be held accountable for gifts and abilities that you didn't have, but you will be held accountable for the ones that you do have. So how often do we try to be somebody else or try to be like somebody else or want to be somebody else? And it's okay to look at somebody's life who's working. Like their life is working and I want to do the things they're doing because their life is working. Their marriage is happy. You know, I love being married. My wife and I, we love being married. We were actually laying in bed there not trying to figure out how many times we've slept together. Slept, like slept together. So don't take that wrong, right? Like, like when we were talking, we were like, how many times have we actually slept in the same bed? And we, we figured out it was close to 10,000 times, like giving hunting season and being away, because hunting season is important. Um, and uh, we figured out how many times I've been hunting, and then you know, I go away for a week and whatnot. But it was, about, it was about 10,000 times. And I was like, that was a long time. Like in 28 years, um, I know Mike and Bonnie, they got like, how long have you been married? 50? The 50? 51. 51. You figure out the math on how many times you've actually been in the same bed. And you'd be like, yeah, you're amateurs. You don't even know how to sleep together yet. Um, You know, so when when we, here's the problem is we get used to things that we can, I guess, get so used to serving God in a way that we kind of get casual with it. And comfortable and just like, yeah, just kind of how it is. And, and God, I believe, is calling America especially to have a higher desire to love him, to serve him, to pray, to be in his house, to be with him. Because there's a lot of things going on in the world. And I really feel peaceful in my heart that, guys, we're going to be okay. We're going we're to get through this. Either way, we're going to get through whatever it is we're facing in the world right now. And we don't have to really worry about it. We can pray about it. And I believe we should, you know, repent. I mean, I've been repenting for sins I haven't committed. Like, God, please forgive us as Americans for abortions. Forgive us for murders. Forgive us for for sin. Because I want America to have at least another good four years of blessing. It's like, God, just will you have mercy. If there's a punishment, will you just stay the punishment for, for the amount of Christians that we have in America? Um, would you have, because I'm reading through Jeremiah, mind, there's it's like repentance. If you just repent, I'll bless you. If you just repent, I won't give you what you deserve right now. And so that's kind of where my heart is, is God, just give us another revival before you come back. Just let there be a great awakening in America where people just come to churches and get saved. And that's what I'm praying for, you know, that God would do something like that. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll get into the main part of the message here. Is, is we're going to talk about um, the, in, in Christianity, in our life, that we're not all equally gifted. We're created in God's eyes to be equal, okay, spiritually, but physically we're not the same, I've recognized this. Okay, I shared with you last week, I believe that when I went to my first professional basketball game, that all men are not created equal. Because I was on, I was watching these really tall athletic people slam dunk and shoot balls. And I'm like, this is not equality. This is not fair. Because I think everybody should be six foot. Level the playing field, right? Same way. Wouldn't that be boring if everybody was the same? Right, so we have a lot of equality, and don't take what I'm saying wrong. There's a lot of a scream equality, 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 and and that's really not how God made it. Spiritually, yes, okay, and we should treat people the same. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about physically. God has given us different giftings. Okay, it's not equal. Matter of fact, if you've been following my Facebook at all, Travis and I, he buys these motorcycles that need work. And we tear them apart and fix them up. And, and, and it's been a fun project for us to do. And that's kind of what God does to us. He looks at us as like a fixer-upper. Right? Some of you are like, okay, we've got to tear this whole thing down to rebuild it. Others of you just need a few walls knocked out. But all of us need work. okay? All of us need work. But here's what I've discovered. I, I'm thinking about suing Kawasaki, Suzuki, and KTM. Because they are making motorcycles that I can't touch when I sit on them. Like my feet do not touch the ground. And I think that's unfair. I think it's discrimination. What do you all think? Should we just sue them? Right? Yeah, so it's discrimination, right? They're not making bikes that short people can ride on. Because I have to get a stool to get on the bike. And I just don't think that's fair. So it's been kind of in my craw a little bit. So I'm feeling a little inequality going on here with the manufacturers. And then reality is stay and get over it. You're short. Buy a YZ-80 if you want to be able to touch. Buy a PW-50 that's this big. If you, yeah, you got short legs, bro. That's how, that's how it is. But if i, if I even can to complain about what I'm not, I'm not going to be good with it. I have to look at what I am and go, I got to be good with this. I got to be good with it. And so we have this whole thing that's going on in the world that, that every, you know, everything needs to be equal. And that's just not the case. It's not the case. And again, don't take me wrong with what I'm saying. Spiritually, yes. Treatment-wise, yes. Okay. Civil liberties, yes. Absolutely, we should be equal treated the same. But physically, a lot of times we think physically things should be the same and they're just not. I should write a book, Lessons from a Short Guy. Okay? It's just just the way that it is. Like I'll tell people, like I'll be in the store, I'll be like, hey, tall guy, can you reach that for me? The other day, I had to get up on a shopping cart just to get the bag of chips that my wife wanted. She calls them donkey chips. They're, you may know what the donkey chips are. They like, they're, they have a picture of a donkey, but they're not called donkey chips. But I know what she says when she says, "Give me donkey chips." And they were on the high rack. I, said, baby, I'm your man. I will, I will get those donkey chips for you. And we're in Walmart. I'm like, bring your cart here. So I get up on the cart, and people are looking at me like, short guy. I'm up on the cart, reaching the top of the donkey chips, and it, I disobeyed. The sign said, "Please ask for help." I asked myself, can you help? Sure. I do it. Uh, and, I, and I got my wife's donkey chips and, and everything was good in the world um, at that point. But here's a story or here's a, a lesson that not everything are equal. Okay. It says in a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Okay, that's gold, silver, wood, and clay. Which one do you want? Well, gold and silver, of course. But he's saying that in a house, you go to a house, there's different types of serving things. Also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some are for ignoble. Okay? If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So he's saying here that not everything is made equal in God's kingdom physically. We have different gifts. We have different gift sets. And when we try to be somebody else's gift set, that's just a whole, whole bunch of frustration. So I want to teach us today that we need to be okay with what God wants, us, wants to do in our life. So God needs, needs all kinds of tools to make it happen. The world is going in a direction. So here's where, as Christians, we need to understand. We need to be okay with what God is doing in this world. Right? Because some of us are trying to fight it. Other times we need to pray and say, God, please forgive us so that we can get back on track. Maybe this is the great awakening. Maybe America's realizing we've gotten kind of lazy in our relationship and we need to get serious about God again. We need to get serious about prayer, about reading the word, about, you know, fasting or whatever it is that you need to do to get closer to Jesus. Okay. To, To say, okay, God, we need a great awakening. Please have mercy on the United States of America. Okay, because this is our this is our ground here. God, please have mercy so that, that we can see another great awakening before you take us home. But God needs all kinds of tools to make this happen. I want you to think about a mechanic or a builder. Okay, some tools are used a lot, and I brought a couple of different things today. I brought a, a little wrench, and I bought some play doh. I, I didn't even know what color I just grabbed to blue and orange. It's the color that you will not see this year in the football field, um, which is kind of sad. But, but, but God has all these different tools, okay? And he has different tools for different reasons. Now, you don't get to z- decide what main tool you are. God has given you gift sets. Now, you get to decide how you can be used, but each one of you has a specific gift set. God has gifted you in certain areas. And aren't you glad most of you, you haven't been gifted to public speak for a living? That's like the number one fear of most people. And, and I enjoy doing it because I've done it for a long time. But you don't get to decide what wrench, what main wrench that that God has for you. You have to go, okay, I'm good with the wrench you made me. Now, some of you are wrenches. Some of you are fixers. Other of you, you're a wrench, but you want to be a hammer. Some of you are pretty good at hammering things, right? But you can't effectively frame a house with an inch and a quarter wrench. You might be able to get a few nails in, but that's not what this is designed for. And some of you are trying to be something that God didn't create you to be and you're really frustrated. And you have to understand that, well, okay, wait, maybe God didn't make me to be a wrench. Maybe he made me to, some people are, are to bring the hammer. right? I would say if you're called the law enforcement, you're probably a hammer, right? There's some wrenches, but the hammer is kind of what God has called you to do. Romans actually talks about that. He doesn't bear the sword for nothing, meaning he's got a hammer and he will use it. Like God, there's a gift set, okay, that God has, has called you to. Some of you are wrenches, okay? And you just, man, you just want to fix everything. That's my, my granddaughter. She loves mechanicing. It's so funny because like I said, I love, I was, mechanic is what my first option was before God called me to ministry because I can fix a car, but I can't fix you. And that's very frustrating to me. Um, but doggone, I'm going to try, all right? Sometimes I got to bring the hammer, but I can't fix you if you don't want to be fixed. You can bring it in here, but if you don't let me touch, I can't. And, 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 and I'm so thankful that tools can't talk. So thankful. Because can you imagine tools with attitude? Can you imagine tools with emotions? Like if you go into my shop or my garage, it's got all my tools. They're all, they're all labeled, and you could find pretty much any tool you wanted. But can you imagine if if I walked in one day and I needed a 12-millimeter wrench, so to speak? And, and the 12-millimeter is like, you know, you haven't touched me for a week, so I ain't doing it. I'm like, but 12, I... I got an engine, I need to I need to take it apart. Yeah, but I just got offended because you didn't touch me and now you want to use me and I just kind of feel used. If tools get talk, wouldn't that be bad? Like emotional tools? It'd be like the mechanic going in, oh my tools are all Prozac, because none of them want to do what I want to do. They're all that. Ah. My tools need to be ready to be used when I need them, not when they want to be. And some of us are resistant. Some of us were like, hey, well God hasn't used me. God hasn't mean God's like, you're just on the shelf right now. I just need you to hang out because all my wrenches are hanging in order. Matt, you would like my shop because everything is just like symmetrical and perfect, right? And, and the tool, if it could talk and it had an attitude, as the mechanic, I would have an issue with that. I would be like, I, I didn't buy you just to use you when you felt like being used. But some of you are like, now you're on the shelf, you're hanging there and you're like, I'm going to be used, Okay. I'm going to be used. Imagine my tools talking. Like I walk out to go to work, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to build something right now. Want to fix something?" I'm like, no, I can't, man. I got to go to work. Oh, come on! You always say, "If tools could talk, I wouldn't have any." Um, I would be like, "Get out of here." Tools can't talk. Can you imagine a 12 millimeter wrench spending his time wanting to be a 14 millimeter socket. But you're not made to be a 14 millimeter. you're made to be a 12 millimeter wrench And when we were putting a cylinder head yesterday on Travis's motorcycle We had to use two different 12 meter wrenches Because the craftsman has got a thinner box end That would fit in where we needed it and the other one didn't So we had to, to use different wrenches for kind of the same application And, and, and the craftsman was like well, I can't remember the brand of the other one He's like, hey bro, I can fit, you can't, so I'm better than you And the other one's like, well I'm shinier than you and the craftsman's like, well, I'm a little more dull because I've been used more than you. Can you imagine my wrenches fighting? And I'm trying to fix something. I'm like, guys, this is what the church can be like sometimes. Is, is we can fight over crazy things. When God's like, I just need you to get along so we can get something done here. And then focus on the right things. Tools arguing as to how most useful. And, and that would be a crazy thing. So here's what the 12 millimeter wrench needs to have. He needs to have an attitude is, I'm good with it. I'm good with how you want to use me. I'm good with hanging on the, the, the wrench rack until you need me. And that's how we need to be with God As God. I'm good with how you want to use me. And if it's once a week, if it's once a day, Lord, I'm yours. I'm good with it. So let's get something straight here. We're going to lay this foundation. When you give your life to Jesus, here's a question that you have to answer. Whose do you become? I, I give my life to Christ. Whose do you become? You become his. You need to get this down in your mind. Okay, when I give my life to him, I become his, not partially, not just when I feel like it. I am his completely. I am the tool that God saved. He says, okay, because you know me, I pick up wrenches off the road. I'm always picking up tools. Um, and and it, the tool has a purpose. The tool has a purpose, and it needs to be ready and willing when I need it. I need to be good with who God made me to be. So I become his. I become his property, so to speak, because I have a better term for that. But when I become his property, I give him ownership of all that I am. And when he owns me, the only thing that it does is benefit me. Why? Because he takes care of me. If he owns me, he takes care of me. How many of you all drive a company car? Anybody drive a company car? I know a few of you drive a company car. Who pays for the fuel of that company car? Who pays the insurance? If it's damaged for the most part, who pays for it? The company, right? It's the company car. Now, there's some exceptions, but most company cars are owned by the company. You just get to drive it. And they pay for everything. And that's like being a Christian is when I give my life to Christ, I have to believe that he's going to take care of me, that he is going to fill me, that he's going to pay the insurance, which he already did. It's called fire insurance. Jesus paid for that on the cross. Amen. He, he, God pays for all that. So as a Christian, if I live my life as if I'm a part owned by God, I'm going to try to take care of some things myself that I'm not equipped to take care of. I have to say okay when I give my life to Christ everything in my life belongs to him okay when I'm his he takes responsibility to take care of me in all things it also gives him the right to use me as he wishes and some of you are frustrated because you're not you're like I just I don't I don't know what God has for me can you be kind yes or no can you be kind can you be nice can you smile yeah, this week again, I'm taking my mask off or, or not putting it on when I walk in the store because I tell the people that are t- the mask, not max, what do they call them, mask? No, yeah, I won't say that. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the, they, they're the enforcers. Like I smile at them and I said, because you needed a smile. I have yet for somebody to say, get your mask on, boy. Okay, they, they're like, thank you, I needed that because they get a lot of grumpy people. So I would like smile because you needed a smile. And it actually has been a pretty funny thing for me to do. It's also I can be a little bit disobedient and get away with it. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. Well, maybe. I might have just lied to you a tiny bit. I walk past the sign and then I smile. All right? It's like a kid. You know, kids can get away with stuff if they smile at you. If you have grandkids especially, like they have grandkids. So God can use me as he wishes. Whatever he wants me to be, how he wants me Or how he wants to use me as a master mechanic would use a tool. I need to be good with it. And what I want to tell you today is there's actually freedom in this. There's freedom in saying, you know what? I'm God's. All I have to do is please him. The expectations for myself, the expectations from other people, they really kind of take second place to what God wants for me. And here's where I want to help you. Expectations drop in certain areas. The pressure's less. You don't have to be what you're not. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm not a 12-millimeter wrench. I'm not a hammer. I can't fix everything. I can't smash everything. I have a gift set, and I'm going to use, be used the way that God wants me to. Think about professional pitchers. If you're into baseball, professional pitchers are not hired to be great batters. Their job is to do what? Is to pitch. And if they spend a lot of time in batting practice, which they, they do a little bit, but not a lot, they, they do enough. But if they spend all their time in batting practice, they at best, would be below average. <laughs> what do they spend their time doing? pitching. Okay. Some of you are, are, pitchers or you're called to pitch, but you're trying to be great batters. You're trying to do some things that maybe God hasn't quite called you to do. That. Now I believe you should excel and, and do the best you can in every area you put your heart to, but you have to understand guys, as much as I want to be able to touch flat footed on the motorcycles we have, it's not going to happen. I prayed already for my legs to grow again. And it didn't happen just how it is. I have to be good with it. So let's go to Jeremiah. We'll we'll finish up with this. And when I say finish up, I'm not saying it short. I'm just saying we'll finish up. Jeremiah was called as a young man. We talked about this last week. He was a young man that God said, I want to use you. He's like, I'm just a boy. You can't use me. And, And never tell God that he can't use you because of your situation. Never tell God he can't use you because of who you think you are. Don't you think that if God says, I want to use you, that he sees something in you you don't see in yourself? That's a question. Yes or no? Absolutely. God sees things in you that you don't see. He wants to use you in ways that you, you're like, I'm not sure about that. But if God is the one that's asking you, he's the one that knows what gift sets that he's, that he's given you or that he can give you. Don't ever tell God that, well, I'm not good enough. And God is like, yeah, that's why I sent my son. Of course, you're not good enough. But through the blood of Christ, you can. Now, I have in my Bible, I keep a teabag in there. I use this to mark where Jeremiah was at. Uh, because really, the Bible to me is like a teabag. The more I get into it, the more it gets into me. Yeah, the, 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 the richer it gets, the richer it gets. I want God's word to be rich in me. So here's what happened. Here's the story. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Now God's talking to him. And again, Jeremiah's got this when he was younger, like, God, I'm a realist. I'm little, I can't be used. My, my granddaughter, she's a realist. I love Michaela, it's so much fun. And, um, and she, the other day, was going up to my, my mom and dad's ranch. And, and I said, hey, catch a big fish for me, okay? And she goes, eh, I'm going to catch a medium one. I was like, where did that come from? Right? I'm going to catch a medium one. Well, what was she saying? She's like, I know reality. Okay. She knows there's a few big fish in the pond, but for the most part, there's just medium ones. And I was like, Michaela, okay. I, I just laughed at her because of her just realistic point of view. But guys, don't we do that to God sometimes? Don't we do that to God sometimes when he says hey catch a big one you can do great things and we're like eh I'll probably just catch a medium one is there a point there that we limit really what God can do or what God wants to do by our well I'm just a kid I'll just catch a medium one and God's like no there's some big ones in there now I need to teach Michaela okay when I say you need to catch a big one she's like I'm gonna catch the stinking biggest fish in the whole pond Dad, or Grandpa, you know me. I'm going to catch the biggest fish. But, but she was a realist. And oftentimes reality can stifle our faith. Okay, because if it's real, then it doesn't, we don't have to have any faith. And some of you today, right now, I hope God just talks to you if it's you, that you're limiting God as to what he can do in your life because you're too much of a realist. You know, well, God, I'll just catch a medium fish. I'm good with that. And God says, but I got more for you. I got more for you. I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. There's more for you. You can catch the biggest fish. Now, she probably wouldn't have complained had she caught the biggest fish, but she was like, I'll just catch a medium fish. I love the reality of of her thinking, but I also want her to expand horizons a little bit. And God wants to show us something today And what you're going through in your life. So let's go through this. God doesn't just tell Jeremiah something. He's going to use something natural to prove something spiritual. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. We'll read verse 1 through through 6, and then we'll talk about it. He says, go, important word, go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And we'll stop there next week. We'll we'll continue on. But I want to go through some things here that I learned um, the last couple of weeks I was studying this. Number one, what what does God say Jeremiah did? What's he telling him to do? He says to go. He says to go. Now, could God have taught him a lesson in his house? Yeah, yeah God could have t- said, hey, you know, have you ever seen a potter working in a wheel, Jeremiah? Here's, here's, But God's like, no, I want you to go. And go requires moving. God's like, Jeremiah, I have something to teach you, but I'm not gonna do it where you're at. And this is where I think the message is gonna get good for you. God is gonna do something, but not where you are right now. God has to move some of you to a certain place to get a different perspective, Okay. God could have taught him that, but he didn't. And we spend too much time trying to figure out the why instead of doing the what. Jeremiah did not go why. When God said, go, I just want to show you something. Jeremiah didn't go, okay, why, God? I I want the details here. I want the details. What did Jeremiah do? He simply went. So regarding God's plan for your life, your obedience cannot be based on your understanding. Your obedience cannot be based on your understanding. Would you like it if your kids asked you why every time you tell them to do something? Oh, wait, they do that. Doesn't it drive you crazy when you tell your kids, hey, I need you to do this? And they're like, why? 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 Who gets sick of the why? (laughs) I'm going to give you the what if you don't do what I tell you, right? (laughs) The what is a stick, you know, or a belt or something. I'll take your phone away. That gets them these days because that's like their heart monitor. If you take a especially a teenage girl, you take her, her phone away, the heart will stop. It's like the thing that keeps the beating going. So phones can be a great thing. Who pays for the bill? Most of the time you do, right? So you have every right to take that thing away whenever you want. I just set some of you free. You got permission to take what you pay for away from the child whom you own. <laughs> That's not that kid's phone, all right? They think it is, but it's not. Sometimes you need to do it just to let them know who's boss. Just pull that thing away. Watch him start salivating. What do you want me to do? Okay, it's it's a good thing to punish him. So he went, okay? You may be at a place in your life right now because the place had a purpose, okay? Let me say that the place had a purpose. But if you, I I missed something, sorry, Dan. Your obedience cannot be based on your understanding. The question here is why? Because if God gave you every detail (laughs) of, of the destination, you would never leave the garage, Sometimes God says, get in the car, put it in reverse. I just want to tell you something. Okay, God, where are we going? I'm not telling you. Because if I told you every detail, you would not go. You'd be like, no, I'm good right here. Right? Am I right? If you knew every detail of the places that you started out at and the place that you ended up, if you knew the details in between, how many of you would have went to where you were supposed to go? Most of you would be like, no, I don't want, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Some of you get married and you have this idea that it's going to be like everybody else or like nobody else. Like we're never going to fight. or Everything's going to be great. And if, and if you had a taste of reality that marriage can be hard, that there can be tiffs. My wife and I, we don't fight, but we get into skirmishes sometimes. Okay? It's not a full-out battle, but there's a skirmish. If we knew the things that we had to face in marriage besides the fun stuff, some of you would never get married. Some of you wouldn't have children if you knew what it took to raise that poor kid. Right, You see, even the kid agreed with me back there. They're like, yeah. And, and we would be like, this is too hard, but God doesn't give you the details. Why? Because there's danger in the details. There's danger in what you know might happen. You're like, okay, I don't want this pain. I don't want, I, I know there's a purpose, but I don't want the pain it takes to get there. I'm all about the baby, but the birth process, that's no good. Who's all for surrogate mothers, if you've had roughly, right? you'd be like, yeah, somebody else can have it, and then I'll enjoy the child. Then I'll have somebody raise it because they scream at night, and I never get any sleep. I, I just want the fun, cute thing, and then I want to give it back until the next day. That's not how it works, is it? That's not reality. And God is not going to show Jeremiah everything here because Jeremiah may, may never have put it in drive. So regarding the potter's house, again, the place had a purpose. And the place that you're in life right now, you may not understand it. But you have to know what we just talked about in the last section was if I am God's, I don't need to understand it. I don't have to understand it. All I have to do is trust that God knows what he's doing with me. I have to believe that. That's the only way I'm going to sleep well at night. So the going was the first step in the learning. I said this Wednesday, I'll say it today. A change of location is required to get a different perspective. A change of location is required to get a different perspective. Some of you have moved from the wonderful state that's on fire now that I shall not name, and we're glad you're here because you're gonna get a different perspective on how people treat each other. Idahoans pretty much like people. Like when you put your blinker on, we don't speed up, we slow down to let you in. That's how you know who you're following, okay? If you, if you put your blinker on and they speed up so you can't turn, you know where they came from. It's true. They didn't come from Hawaii, did they Mark? Okay? Hawaiians are the same way. They'll let you out. You put your blinker on, they'll let you in and they'll wave. Because it's like, it's like chill. Idaho and Hawaii are very similar. Okay? So if you did come from that state that's on fire that I will not name, just drive like an Idahoan. Matter of fact, they'll think you're a native if you just wave them through. No, come on, go, go, go ahead. You cut me off. It's cool. It's cool. Oh, you didn't blink. That's fine. I'm not in a hurry. That one gets me. All right, You didn't blink. I just, if you at least blink, I'll let you in. But if you don't blink, you just want to cut in. <laughs> the Californian raise, uh, rages in me because that's where I was born. Um, that does come out. still there. And it's like, thought you cut me off. But it's okay. It's all right. We make a big deal about some things that aren't. So he, he, you have to change location to get a different perspective. Now, this is why I'm a firm believer. And I'll say it even more these days is you need to be in church. You're here online. But but let me tell you something. If you're online and you plan on staying online the rest of your life, I'm going to tell you this. You will dry up a little bit. You will. Because there's something about coming to the house of God. A matter of fact, it's a mandate. Amen. Forsake not. This is King James because that's how I learned it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but all the more Okay, as the end times are coming, you need to be in church. Why? Because there's a place that we can gather together as a family. We're all going through a lot of struggles, going through a lot of stuff, and we come and we worship God. And it's an experience that you cannot get online. You can't. It's just, it, there's just a difference because the Spirit of God is here. We're two more gathered. What's God say, there I am in their midst. There's a the presence of God here. There's something different that happens when you're together with your church family. Something different that happens during the worship time. Something different happens um, in the message. And again, we do online because there's people that can't make it. People that are at risk or people that are, you know, they they just can't get here. And that's a great ministry. But but all the more important for us to be in the house of God as we see this world going in a weird direction. That we need to be together. Why? Because I don't know of anybody really that if you go to church with a heart to say, God, teach me something, that you leave the same that you came in. When your heart says, Lord, just do something in my life today. That you come here not as a critic, but you come as a, as a like, I just God, do something in me. Not, hey, what's staying going to say today that I can criticize? Guys, you can find something every time I open my mouth. You know me, right? <laughs> to go, oh, he shouldn't have said that, he shouldn't have said that. Well, what about the things that were said that were good? The things that you do need to hear. So here's what he did. He says, I went. Jeremiah says, God said, go, so I went. And a good son goes when told. And he's watching the potter do his thing. That's where the Play-Doh comes in. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house. He's not really sure what God's got for him. And so he looks at the potter. And the potter's just working the, working the clay a little bit, making this pot. And Jeremiah's just kind of chilling, just watching him. So I went. And here's what I don't think, and this is what's kind of new to me in study because I've read this, this story a lot of times. But this week as I was like praying and saying, hey, God, show me something. I never saw this before, so I want to share this with you. Some of you may have seen this, but I never saw this before. That I don't believe that the potter knew what was going on. Because I've never heard a sermon preached about the potter. It was always about Jeremiah seeing what the potter was doing. But think about the potter. He gets up, and this is his livelihood. This is what he does for a living, and he's probably good at it. And maybe somebody made this order, and he's making this way, and the wheel's spinning, and, and he's shaping it. And he's thinking, man, this is going to be great. And all of a sudden, some angel sticks his finger in the clay, and it goes flying off. And he's like, what? what? The potter, I don't think, heard God's voice. I don't think God said, hey, potter, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you make a pot today because I want to teach Jeremiah something. And so as you're making the pot, potter, I'm going to mess it up. And I just want you to make something different out of it, okay? I don't think that conversation ever – this potter got up. And just had in mind, this is what I want to make. This is what I'm going to do. And he just goes about to make it. And it didn't turn out the way he thought. How many of you are the potter today? That you're just doing your thing. You're trying to do it. And, and, and you're like, this didn't turn out the way I planned. This, this isn't what I envisioned. My life, my situation isn't what I thought. Well, now the potter has this decision to make. Does he bring the hammer? Does he grab the clay and just chuck it against the wall and go off angry? Oh, it didn't turn out the way I thought, so I'm a terrible potter. Did, did he do that? What, what's the Bible say that he did? He says, "It is what it is. I got to be good with it, so I'm just going to make something different." And that's what God is doing in some of your lives today. It didn't turn out the way that you thought. And so God says, you know, I can take what's marred, I can take what's messed up, and I can make something beautiful if you'll let me. But the point is, is you've got to stay pliable. You've got to stay soft. Because how does Plato get hard? How does it dry out? That's so when it's left out, when it doesn't stay in the place that it's intended to stay, when it's not being used. And when you just get away from God, when you get away from the Word, when you get away from prayer, you, you don't dry up quickly, Okay? Now, we know the thing with Plato and granddaughters is that they get easily distracted elsewhere, and they'll just get up and leave. And you're like, hey, sweetie, you need to put your Play-Doh back in the container or it'll get hard. But it doesn't get hard in a matter of seconds. It gets hard over a period of minutes. See, our hearts don't get hard toward God over a matter of seconds. It's it's a slow fade. It's a slowness. And we need to stay where God wants us to stay, to to be moldable. So this potter... He goes, okay, I got to reevaluate. I, gotta, I had in mind what I wanted. Didn't go the way I planned. Now what? So, my question for you at this point is Are you at this place that the potter is at? What is it right now that's just so it's not turning out the way you thought, the way you planned? And what are you doing about it? So, the potter does next is really important to the end of the story. He didn't give up. He didn't get angry. He didn't really get discouraged. Was he frustrated? Sure, he was. He's a potter. I mean he again, this is I'm making this thing. Ah, okay, now what? Now what? Well, maybe I can make something different. Maybe I can make something that that can be useful as well. He didn't throw it out, he simply faced reality. See, I don't get it, but God's in it. Some of you need to hear that. That may be the one phrase that you take away from today's message is I don't get it, but God's in it. And I'm good with it. I gotta be good with it. Why? Because it is what it is. He comes up with a different plan, and he's like, "I'll just do the best with what I have." So I will tell you this: Don't focus on what you've lost. Work with what you have left, because we can get so focused on what we don't have, we can be so focused on the wrench that we're not that we're not used to to do what God has asked us to do. And it might be a hammer, it might be a saw, it might be a nail gun, it might be something different. But we can get so focused on what we're not that we actually don't do what God has asked us to do. Okay. What is it that God has asked you to do? And are you doing it? So here's what Jeremiah does. Okay. He's watching, he's learning. The Potter does what he's supposed to do. He changes it. Let me ask you a question here. If you have kids, what does it make you feel like when your kid has a good attitude, when you ask them to do something hard? Or something they don't want to do, you know, they don't want to do it, and it's hard, but you ask them to do it hey, can you clean your room? Can you take the trash out? Can you do this? And they say, Yeah, I'm on it, got it. First of all, after you recover from the heart attack um, of them responding like that, because they don't usually respond that way, right? But what, how do you feel when your kid actually says, Yeah, I'll, I'll get it done with a smile? I don't, that's a question. How do you feel? Or an employee, and you say, Hey, can you do this hard job? Sure, I'll, I'll get it done. She's like, whoa, really? Yeah, I'm on it. You feel pretty good about that. Don't you think? Because we're made in the image of God that when God says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down there. And Jeremiah's like, yeah, I'm right on it, Lord, right away. That God doesn't have the sense of pride as, wow, my child is really obedient. They didn't even ask why. He just said, okay. Don't you think God has pride in us when we're like that? That we don't buck the system. We don't kick and we're like, ah, screw. Don't you think God just wants compliant? Because you're either compliant or you're defiant. God wants compliance. And when we have that attitude to say, you know what? Well, sure, Lord, I don't understand really, but I'll do it. I'm good with it, Lord. I'm good with what you told me to do. I don't get it. I don't see the end yet, but I'm willing to obey. God has a pride in us. And some of you need to hear that today because you're just you're, you're spending too much time trying to understand what God's doing instead of just being obedient to today. Okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do today. the Lord, Lord just says, bless somebody. Smile at somebody. Be kind to somebody. Love somebody. Some days he says, go fishing. Get some rest. Okay, go do something you enjoy doing. Veg out on the couch for a while because even Jesus went... And rested to the mountains. Okay, there's days when the godliest thing you can do is take a day off. See, a blessed life is a life that's submitted to God's will for your life. Okay? Jeremiah was like, I'm on it, and he had a smile. God has a certain plan for your life, and you won't be held accountable for someone else's calling. I'm accountable to me. I'm accountable to me. I'm not accountable for you. I'm not accountable for, for how I'm accountable to you, but I'm not accountable for you. That is so good. For me, I'm not going to get to heaven and God says, wow, you had a rowdy bunch. Um, why didn't you make them obey? I was like, Lord, there were a stubborn group that you sent me in CUNA, Idaho. God says, well, that's why I sent you. Okay? But the good news is I'm, I'm accountable to you, but not for you. I have to tell you the truth, but whether you do it or not is up to you. But don't live your life trying to be someone else. The problem with trying to live someone else's gift set is that you'll be disappointed most of the time. I can't be what I'm not. I can't be what God has not called me to be. And as this potter changed what he thought he was making into something else, that's what God wants to do in your life. But you have to submit to him. You have to be willing to say, God, this may not feel good, but do what you need to do in my life. Because God has the end in sight and he knows that the end is good. So regarding your place in life, okay? Sometimes you just gotta say, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm good with what God has called me to do. God is showing Jeremiah what he's going to do with the nation of Israel. In next week's lesson, we'll talk about this because they're disobedient. Israel was up and down. They were like, they would do good and then they would be comfortable and they would backslide and God would send judgment. And they would repent and God would bless them. And I think we're at that spot as a nation that we're at a, a crossroads that we really need to repent of our sins. Now, again, we can repent for a na- as a nation, as Christians, right? We're, we're not you know, pro-choice. We're not out of all that kind of stuff. But we can say, God, please forgive us as a nation for straying from your word. Forgive us as a nation. And I believe that when God sees enough Christians praying, he's either going to take us out of here or he's going to grant mercy on our country because we're choosing to pray over it. That's what I believe. Amen? I've seen it happen over and over in the Bible. We'll talk about that next week. But if you repent, God says, I'll make you into something new. So where are you at today? Are you feeling marred? Are you feeling maybe useless? Are you feeling like maybe God is done with you because of a sin you've committed or your past or whatever? Now, in this story, what did did God do? He took something that was kind of destroyed, and he showed Jeremiah, I I can make something good if you'll just yield to me. If you just let me. If you just let me. That you're not useless. That God doesn't take your past and go, oh man, <laughs> you're too much of a fixer-upper. And God never does that. He takes every person that's willing to yield to Him and say, God, just make me moldable. Make me moldable, or Make me what you want me to be. So I hope you're not trying to be somebody else. I hope you're not trying to lift, live a gift set that God didn't give you. I didn't make it on American Idol on purpose because it's not my gift. Amen. I would be like that one token person that sings bad and they do it just to get people to laugh. Right? Because you've seen those. And then American Idol, it's like a dose of reality because the grandparents are, you did great in the recital. And Simon's going, you kind of stink. You need to stick with whatever it is that you do. God is gentle, but he will always, 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 always turn you into something beautiful if you let him, It will. Amen. Does this help anybody? I told you I was going to preach short. Yeah, somewhat of a lie. Um, amen. Let me pray for you. Just bow your heads with me today. You know, the first question I have to ask you guys is, are you right with Jesus? Man, your walk with God is the most important, important thing today. Because if you're not right with Jesus, you can fix all kinds of things in your life, but you can still die a sinner, still spend eternity in hell. And that's, what not, that's not God's plan for you. Okay? There's a heaven and there's a hell. That's the reality. The Bible says it. I believe it. And that's it. Okay? That we, we will one day breathe our last. And we don't really know when that day is, but you need to be ready for that at any moment. Are you right with Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Savior? most important question you can answer in your life. And if today you are not, today if you are not right with God, then maybe you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've, you've went so far away from him, you need to come home. If you need to make that decision today, I'm gonna to ask you to be bold and brave. And between me and you and God, I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you in any way. But if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up where I can see it because I wanna pray with you. And this is a private time. It's a private decision between you and the Lord. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Because I want you to leave this place right with God. Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. Now, there might be some people online. There might be some people here today who are just afraid to, but it's a simple prayer of just recognizing that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And it's a prayer that's something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. That's how easy it is to become a Christian. There's no waiting period, there's no background check. <laughs> you know that God doesn't need to do a background check on you. He knows. He knows our background. There's no sin that you can commit that God won't forgive you of if you simply ask him. So I want all of us to leave this place today, first of all, right with God. That we are right with Jesus. That our heart's in the right place. Secondly, that we would leave saying, God, I've been some there's been some resistance and maybe some Misunderstanding as to what I need to know in life right now. But God, I'm good with where I'm at. Different perspective that you need. Different way to look at things. Amen. Lift your heads up and look at me. Let me close you. Be be moldable today. Be moldable. Amen. Be moldable. You give me good amen, I'll let you go as if I have the power to make you stay, because you can get up and walk out anytime you want. It's your church. Uh, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand up. Let's just close in a quick song. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, just loving each and every one of you, even if you're a first-timer. I love you. Thank you for being here. Best, John, lead us see. Amen. Come on, friends.